There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy place where most, the most high dwells, God is within her and she will not fall. It's good to start with God's word, as Mark did this morning too. And um, I just want to pray for us this morning. Um, I guess it's quite common to feel inadequate when you get up and speak, yeah. is it? <laughs> Especially when God gives you something to talk about where you're not quite at, uh, which is my case this morning. Um, But I just want to pray for that reason. I just want to pray the Spirit of God inhabits everything that I say and has his way. So, Father, I place my hands upon this word you've given me and I put my hands up in the air and say, Father, would you anoint me to speak what you have to given me to say today, would your Holy Spirit come and fill this place and fill every heart, Father, so we can receive what you have got to say this morning to every heart in this room, even the little baby just come up here this morning. Would you touch her? Would you fill her? Would you bless her, Jesus? Would she be filled with your Holy Spirit, Lord God, and bear fruit for your name in the name of Jesus? Amen. Okay, so this morning I'm going to speak about something that God has put on my heart about Jesus is the well and he is enough. Jesus is the well and he is enough. Let me ask you a question this morning. What evidence is there in your life, my life, that you belong to Christ? I'm going to hit you hard this morning first. <laughs> Just put it out there, it's been a question that I have been wrestling with recently. Uh, Been a Christian since I was the age of 12, Um, had some ups and downs myself, but I've been asking myself this question again, what actual evidence is there in my life that I belong to Christ? I know I belong to Christ, I know he dwells in me, but what do others see of Christ in me, which has got to be one of the most important things I ask myself and we ask ourselves. (laughs) So what makes you different, us different, from the Hindu next door who who goes out to feed the homeless every Sunday, or the humanist who uses his two weeks holiday to fly out to the Caribbean islands and rebuild homes? I bet you can think of at least three people who you feel Um, are living better lives than you are? Possibly. Uh, It can be daunting at times when you look at people and you see people doing things and you think, actually their attitude is better than mine at times and it's a bit of a challenge to us. Um, I guess our answer would be, and it should be, the difference is that Christ reigns in us, that he's redeemed us and he's made us his own and that's true. And we've been, whether we feel it or not, the robes of righteousness have been placed over our shoulders and we are wrapped in Christ and we are hidden in Christ. But still the question has got to be asked, what evidence is there in our lives of Christ living in us? I guess that's why Jesus said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling because it is something that we've got to do on a a day-to-day basis. So, 
What should we look like? I've always been drawn to the story uh, of the Samaritan woman at the well. I love the story. I love the fact that Jesus chose to, to walk through dark Samaria. And he chose to, I, I guess, I mean, the, the disciples went off into the, into the town to go and buy stuff. And, and Jesus chose to sit there by that well, waiting for the woman to come and to draw the water. He knew his agenda. He had his agenda. But I love it because she was the least likely candidate to have a one-to-one chat with the King of Glory. And I love the fact that Jesus was really desperate to have that conversation with her. So, But she wasn't on her own because throughout history, many others met God or God's purposes by wells. It was quite a common thing, isn't it, to meet Hagar being one of them in the desert when she met and she says, now I have seen the one who sees me. So here she is, and, uh, and she's, she comes to draw water from the well. And recently, uh, the Holy Spirit has showed me something while I was on holiday that's opened my eyes a little bit more um, of what Jesus was trying to demonstrate on that day when he met her by the well. He asks her for water, doesn't he? And, uh, and, and she says, why, why are you asking me? <laughs> and then he says, if you'd known who was asking you, you would have asked me. You would have asked me. So he asks her, and she says, you didn't ask me. And he said, if you knew who was asking you, you would have asked me. So this is our starting point, isn't it? Jesus wants us to ask him to fill us. He he knows he is the source of all life. And without him and without that living water in our lives, we are thirsty, parched and thirsty. So, you see, Jesus is actually that well. He is that well. And in this picture, I was sitting on the balcony in San Diego, don't get jealous, having my coffee. And I was reading something else, and I had my eyes closed, and I saw in a picture this gushing water, and it was moving really, really fast. And it was deep, deep underground. And it had purpose, and it had drive, and it was going right deep under the ground. And then came this structure, this well, and it came right down in the middle, and it sat and harnessed that water that was going fast through the deep of the ground. You see, without the well, we would never get to the deep living water of the Holy Spirit that was promised to be poured out on all people. It's only through Jesus that we can get to that water, that living water that he was talking about to the woman at the well. Jesus said, I am the way. And I think in this demonstration, when he was talking about receiving living water, he was also shown by being by that well that he is the way to that life. And he is the only way to access that life of Christ. Is that me? No. It's a drill. The drilling wells. Okay. Um, so I knew, I knew at once it was the water of life. I knew. And I knew that through the centuries, 
springs of living water came up, didn't they, in the Old Testament. People, yes. springs came up, water gushed out of rocks. But it wasn't the life-giving water that never ends that Jesus was talking about, was it? It came up and, and in, in the desert, springs of water led God's people. And they saw and they followed God's leading, his water, of his spirit. But here's Jesus is talking about a different thing. He's saying, now... Through me, through the living way, you can have the water that runs and never ends. And you will never thirst anymore. And you won't have to run after my spirit. My spirit will live in you. And in fact, not just live in you, it will flow out to others. And this was the new thing. And Jesus was the bearer of good news because he brought new revelation and the new times. And here he is telling us that this water is now going to be available for you and for me. So, he is the only access. He is joy, he is life, he is peace. And it can't be found in any other place. So whether you have the people who are um, you can learn to be good. We teach our children to be good. You can learn to be really good. You can be learned to be really good with your time. But here Jesus is saying that without the living life of the Holy Spirit living in us, nothing that can last can take place. Nothing that can last can happen. I can be a good person but there's got to be something else. There's something, the life of the Spirit brings kingdom. It brings God's kingdom to earth and it brings something which lasts. So, I'm doing that. I should be knowing where I am. Okay. So here's this verse. He who believes in me, out of his heart will flow, will flow rivers of living water. John 7, verse 38. So the purpose of the new order is that the, is that the righteous will no longer simply drink and then thirst again, but they will have this water which flows out. Do we understand that privilege? Do we really, really get it? Do we understand that privilege that, Jesus, that we carry the name of Jesus and that his life-giving spirit is available and will flow out of our lives if we just soak in him, if we, if we dwell in him, if we remain in him, if we, like he said, we're the vine and the branches, if we stay attached to him, his life-giving spirit is going to bring life to others through us. <clears throat> All kinds of battles have taken place over wells. Wells were personal, they were owned by families, and people really got possessive about their well. And here Jesus is saying, you want to come and drink from my well. There's an invitation, not just to stay out and find something yourself, but to come. He says, this is my well. You come and you drink from my well. Do you know what? I really find it hard to get my girls to drink. I really find it hard. It is forced upon them. So every morning before we get up, we all have one glass. And they go, do I have to drink the water? Yes, you do. I'm hungry. No, you're not hungry. But how many people do this with their kids? Actually, 90% of the time you think you're hungry, you're actually thirsty. Okay, this is what I, I repeat several times a day to my kids. 
who say they were hungry and they want something to eat. But it's true, isn't it? We go after food and things to satisfy us in different ways, don't we? Instead of having what we really need, and what we really, really need is we need a drink. It is the same things in our life. We go after stuff to make us happy, satisfied. We think if we just do that, if we get involved in that, if we, if we partake in that, if I do this Bible college course, if I do this, if I do that, I will suddenly get satisfied. And actually, Jesus is given the invitation freely, come and drink. Come and be with me, dwell with me, soak in me. I was speaking to Ruta earlier. You know, the diff- some of you know the difficulty she had a f- couple of years ago when she was on her own at home. Every day she would just lay before God and couldn't do anything else apart from, I just need you. I need you. I need you. I need you. And I just saw every day, she, and three times a week, she'd be fasting for, for her husband and her kids and just laying out before God, worshipping day, all day till she picked the kids up. And I saw such a transformation in her character. I saw such a likeness of Christ in her attitude. And it was because she was spending time with the life source. And that's where she found her, the power and the strength to face what she has. We've seen God do the miracles, the aftermath. Andrew's now back home and living with, and, and, and all's well. It's because that's the aftermath, but the real power came from the transformation in her heart, in her life, from spending time soaking in that water of the Holy Spirit. It's where we all need to be. It's not an optional extra spending our time with God. If we don't, we will become parched and we will wither. The second well that's caught my attention is mentioned in Proverbs verse 5. 15 to 19. Are we able to put that one? Is that okay if we put that one up, Natasha? Thanks. Um, Sadly, I'm encountering really frequently marriages which are breaking and failing. And this particular one I'm going to talk about now is about marriage, about the well that God has got prepared for marriages and relationships. It says, drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered aboard streams of water in the streets? It's that first bit there, drink water from your own cistern and flowing water from your own well. It appears that the common denominator in, in lots of the things when I talk to my friends, Christians and non-Christians, I'm seeing marriages just all over the place have it devastating effects. And each thing that I am encountering, the common denominator is, that person doesn't make me happy. They don't make me happy. They frustrate me. They annoy me. I can't live with that person. 
I have felt, I'm sure you have felt, Richard has felt annoyed and frustrated. At times I have felt the same way. I think lots of people do, but there is a cult in our era that has wound its way in to different places about this thing, obsession with being happy and fulfilled. And that marriage is part of that. You're not making me happy, so I can't live in this anymore. And here in Proverbs, it is saying, don't go anywhere else. There, God has prepared a well for you. And in that well, there is enough. There is everything you are looking for is in that well. And you just need to drink from what God has given you. You need, to, you need to go to that well, not expecting everything from that person, but to go to Jesus and to drink from the well that he has given for you in your relationship and in your marriage. This is talking about the, the cistern and the well being the wife, everything that she provides there. And I just had this revelation that, like, this, there is enough in that well for Richard and I to be completely and utterly satisfied beyond measure. Yes. I, there's nowhere else I need to look. Amen. I don't need to go off and the next person's not going to do any better. <laughs> that is where the life-giving source is. Amen. Jesus has poured for us full in that well and everything we need is in that well go to the well and drink from your own well from your own cistern and I felt very strongly even though we don't talk about that kind of thing to share that this morning because I felt it was quite revelation for me um, that there is enough more than enough Um, so um Moving very quickly. So, this living water, what does it produce in the life of a new creation? Perseverance and abandonment. Start with those ones. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus was led by the Spirit and Jesus obeyed his heavenly Father and said, I will do what you want me to do, which is talked about last time. The Spirit leads you into perseverance, and he leads you into abandonment, because it's part of him. It's who he is. He gave his whole self up, and it's part of the new creation to be somebody who perseveres and someone who is abandoned to the life of Christ. Second, the Spirit leads us to obedience and to sacrifice. Immediately, the Spirit impelled him to go out into the wilderness. And Jesus did what the Spirit told him to do. It produces mercy and justice. So behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my Spirit upon him and he shall proclaim justice to the Gentiles. The Spirit of God will produce a character that is just and wants justice, God's kind of justice. 
He will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel, quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A battered reed he will not break off, and a smouldering wick he will not put out, until he leads justice to victory. Um, the Spirit will also um, create, anoint you to preach the gospel. So the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. And anybody who comes after Jesus has also been appointed to preach the gospel, to tell the good news about what Jesus has done and how he came to make a way for us to have life in him. So we've been anointed to preach what he's given us to preach. The Spirit produces and gives us the anointing to proclaim and release to the captives like Jesus did, to recover the blind and to free the captives. It says, Jesus himself, he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set free those who are oppressed. He gives us insight into the mysteries of Christ. At that very time, he rejoiced greatly, in the Holy Spirit and said, I praise you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. He gives us insight into the mysteries of Christ that even angels do not get to see. The privilege of having the insight of the Holy Spirit and the, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. He gives us knowledge and wisdom from God. Like Peter, when Peter saw a vision and God gave him that and says, these people are from me, he gives people wisdom and knowledge. He gives us a supernatural boldness and courage to speak about Jesus. If we're thinking to ourselves, uh, I'm not, I haven't got much courage to just walk up about some. The Spirit promises to give boldness to us and courage that we can go and speak about him like he did with the, the early church. And then there's loads of gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. So in, the, the, in his word it says in Corinthians 12, now there are a variety of gifts but the same Spirit and a variety of service but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So the Spirit of God is wanting to give each of us gifts so the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good of the church and his kingdom and also outside of that. For one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and we know these as well, and faith and prophecy and interpretation of tongues and tongues. So have you ever wondered why we haven't got all the gifts, whether we don't get all the gifts? We'd become quite puffed up, wouldn't we? So we suddenly, we're, everybody's walking around doing everything. But it's not just that, that God gives us each gift so that we work together, so that we need one another, and that we remain humble. I cannot do things that you can do. He's given you things to do that I cannot. I need you, and you need me. So, and then the final thing there, there is the sweet, sweet fruit of the Holy Spirit which is promised to each one of us. Often there is a real focus on the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. 
But you know something? This sweet, sweet fruit that is available for every new creation. <laughs> There's love. There is joy. There is peace beyond measure. There is patience and kindness and his goodness and his faithfulness, his gentleness and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. <laughs> there is no law against them. They're free. They're freely given. And if there's no law against it, surely they can grow as big as they like. <laughs> and this is all promised to you and to me. The life-giving water of the Holy Spirit, which is given to each one of us freely so we can drink. I, I know that there is quite a big emphasis on seeing miracles. Um, but it just dawned on me when we were worshipping earlier that the result of being soaked in this water where the power of God is displayed really is the fruit that is produced. Miracles can be mimicked, can't they? Mm -hmm. it, Moses watched it in Egypt. God did something. The priests of Egypt did something. It was mimicked. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is going to be produced in you and me, can never be mimicked because it's the character of God. And the enemy doesn't like it. If we focus more on being soaked, planting ourselves by that water, sitting inside the well and being soaked by the living water so that the fruit just was big and bold. And Jesus was seen so obviously through the character, his character being displayed in us, the miracles would be a byproduct. They would follow us. Actually, the miracles are like fireworks. But the real thing, the real deal, is the celebration taking place of the life of God on earth. In the, the celebrating the birth and the life of the Christian. The fireworks, the miracles, are just like the fireworks going off with the celebration of what God has done in our lives. The enemy cannot mimic the fruit which will be produced in you and me if we were to soak ourselves in the presence of God. And everywhere we go, and everywhere we go, we are intentional about being living from that presence, choosing, saying, God, 
How do I speak? Speak with me as I go. Go with me as my feet go this morning. Go with me. Take my feet. Be intentional to live from his presence. And be intentional on asking him to transform us from the inside out by his Holy Spirit. Abandoning ourselves in his presence and saying, I die, I've died, you live. Now live in me, live full in me, produce what you want him to have in me. So I'm going to finish by, I want us to pray because um, whatever's been said this morning, I know is basic. <laughs> um, but it's God's word and I believe it's what God wants to bring to us this morning. I know you know it. <laughs> um, but like Moses said in Exodus, this is my text. <laughs> As Moses said in Exodus 33, 15 to 16, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you don't go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And I'm stuck on this at the moment because I know people know I'm a Christian but that fruit has got some growing to do mm -hmm. and um, it, it, it can't happen on its, it won't happen if I am trying to do my own thing. Mm. There needs to be a surrendering and asking the Holy Spirit to do it. So that's why I just want us to pray um, now. And I'd ask us to be intentional in speaking to God, the Holy Spirit, and asking him to reign in our lives and to take out things that need to be taken out and to produce the fruit that he wants to produce in our lives. I'm going to start by praying, then I'm just going to be quiet. I just want us to pray in our own hearts. Holy Spirit, we wait here in your presence. We hear your call to drink and to receive life from you. I repeat the words that Moses said this, mor this morning in your presence. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us out from here. We want to acknowledge our own place inside the well with you, Jesus. You are the well, Jesus, and you are the only way to that living water.
I just want to ask, Father, forgiveness for areas where we've tried to get water from other places to try and fill those spots that we've, we feel thirsty in. Repent of that this morning, God, and ask that you would be that life source. That fast-flowing water would flow again. We ask that our hearts, out of our hearts and our lives and our mouths, your life-giving water will pour. We are your new creations. We're fashioned together into your likeness. We lay ourselves down at your feet. Our lives are yours. Speak to us, teach us, shape and mould us. In this room today, Father, I ask that by your Holy Spirit, if there are gifts that you would want to distribute, even this morning, would you place and would you give those gifts, God, for the building of your church, of encouragement? Send us out today, Father, wrapped in your love. Start a new thing in each of us, God. Wherever we are on our journey with you, God, start a new thing, a new intimacy. A deepen our intimacy with you. I just finish by saying, Father, that I pray you put a seal upon what you have spoken this morning. And you protect each person, Father, as they go out today. Protect what they've heard. And continue to speak to us, God, today. And into this next week, God, as we, as we intentionally listen to you. In the one and only name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>